Will you go with me to God in prayer? Indeed, Holy One, may we be released from all our fears and find a new freedom in and through you. May we have the courage to do all you ask of us to do. Learn to live in love. Amen. Have you ever been profiled? Well, let me ask it a different way. Have you ever sensed that someone was looking at you, thought they knew who you were, just by looking at you? Have you ever felt like someone was making judgments about you like, he's too feminine, or she's too masculine, or they are too androgynous for this job? Ever felt or been told that someone who doesn't know you is threatened by you simply because you're black or Latina or Filipino? Have you ever been ignored because others think that you are too curvy, too thin, too tall, too short, perhaps too young or too old or too sickly looking? Or maybe you've even looked in the mirror or visited your mind's eye and believed those things about yourself because the voices in your head and in your heart had began to believe the lies you had been taught to think about yourself. I guess this could be solely my issue and you've never experienced any of that in your life, but if you have, you might have an idea of how the man with leprosy was feeling in today's story. Because of a, a condition beyond his control, he and others like him were cast out of relational and religious society. Because of people's understanding in biblical times of how people became ill, sick individuals would be decreed by the agents of religion as both sinful and ritually impure. Not only would they be considered unclean, you are also unfit to be in society. Any condition out of the norm, congenital or acquired, could put you outside of community. The holiness code included exclusionary restrictions such as if you are a woman and you are menstruating, or if you are a woman and had just given birth, you too were ritually impure and should not be a part of the community and should be put aside in a place that was separate yet equal. Hmm. <laughs> that code is starting to sound a little too familiar. Sounds kind of like a wedge. <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's, let's unpack this story a little bit and see what it might be saying to us today. 
So let me set the frame for you. First, the word that has been translated for us as leprosy actually simply means something like one with a scaly skin condition. Some scholars say that more than likely this man simply had eczema or psoriasis, not Hansen's disease, which is leprosy. Second, the code that established the law on the treatment of someone with a skin condition is found in Leviticus 13, 2 and 3, and it roughly states anyone suspected of having a disease of the skin should present themselves to the temple priest for examination at both the beginning of the illness and once you feel that you have been cured. Third, if the priest determined that you did indeed have a skin condition, Leviticus states the leprous person who has the disease must wear torn clothes, let the hair on their head hang loose, and they must cover their upper lip and cry, unclean, unclean, whenever they could possibly come in contact with community. They were to keep up this ritual until they were healed. Fourth, the law also stated that if you, who were clean, came into contact with that person, you too would be ritually impure. Can you see how an ill person can quickly lose their identity as a person and become known solely as the object of others' prejudgments and assumptions? They would not have to be, no they would not have to be known as a person with an illness, but they become identified as the illness itself. Thank goodness that doesn't happen today. <laughs> Fifth, Leviticus 13 goes on to say in verses 45 and 46 that all people with a skin condition must live outside of the camp, on the outskirts of town, on the other side of the tracks. You know, so to speak, Sound familiar? This is our frame for the story in the Gospel of Mark. Verse 40 says that a man who was known to have a skin condition that makes him physically, spiritually, and ritually unclean approaches Jesus and requests a healing. This one verse says a lot. First, it informs us that the leper no longer had leprosy. Otherwise, he would not have been bold enough to even approach Jesus, who was a rabbi, who would certify that he had indeed been cured. In some translations, the scripture says that the man does not ask to be cured, but that he dares Jesus to heal him. This man who had been put out of his home, put out of society, put out of his family, made a conscious decision to claim what was rightly his. He 
healing. He wanted the opportunity to be whole. We Westerners tend to think in terms of a dualistic absolute, curable, incurable, good, bad, cold, hot, black, white. But much of life unfolds in the gray areas. And that is where a healing can occur. You see, there's a distinct difference between being cured and being healed. The words healed and cured are often used interchangeably, but their definitions could not be any further apart. You see, curing is about a disease. Curing is a restoration of health. Curing is an absence of symptoms. Curing is what happens after a course of treatment of a disease. People can be cured, but it always means the cessation of a particular disorder. The cure is for disease, not the person. I can be cured of a cold. I can be cured of the flu. I can be cured of cancer. Yet, they may always come back. Healing, on the other hand, is a transition. It's a threshold between one stage of one's existence and the next. Healing is not the removal or cessation of symptoms, but rather an integrative process that transcends the physical and includes the mental, the spiritual, and the emotional as well. The larger meaning of healing is a holing, which is filling out those missing pieces of ourselves. Healing is an opportunity to live more deeply, more aware, and more abundantly. I need to be clear. You can be healed emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually, and not be cured. For example, I have lupus, yet I am constantly living into my wholeness, my healing. But with the current treatments that are available today, I will never be cured. But it doesn't mean that I don't live healed. You see, I have known people who have died from cancer. But I can tell you, they were healed. And asking Jesus to heal him, the man who had leprosy was asking for something larger than being cured. He was asking to be made whole. And requesting a healing. This man was opening himself up to a total reworking and understanding of his life and who he was as a person. In requesting a healing, he was affirming that he was willing to reject all that he had been taught to think about himself and his illness in asking for a healing. He was stating that he was ready to reject other people's beliefs and assumptions about himself. 
In asking for a healing, he was stating that he was ready to address the emotional injuries life had inflicted upon him and the ones he had inflicted upon himself. In asking for a healing, he was announcing that he was ready to reject religious teachings that injured his soul. In asking for a healing, he was saying that he was ready to do the hard work to make himself whole. And in asking for a healing, he was claiming that he was ready to come into relationship with the healer. You see, healing comes partly from the one who heals as well as from the willingness and participation of the one who is to be healed. We have to choose healing because it's an internal process. We can't be healed against our will, no matter what our families believe. We have to claim what is ours to have. Wholeness, healing. Healing can also happen within a body of people. That was never more evident to me than on Friday night as we watched the children's march. We witnessed children as young as four years old with courage and boldness ask for a healing, not only for the city of Birmingham, Alabama, but they ask for a healing of our nation as they peacefully and joyfully marched for equality. We witnessed them being attacked by dogs, fire hoses being turned on them, and being arrested by the thousands. They knew that they were living in the illness of systemic racism, and they knew that it needed more than a cure. And they had the audacity to claim a healing in our land. They put their bodies on the line in order for spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical healing for our nation. Birmingham, Alabama cured the symptom of segregation within its businesses and schools. Yet we are still in the process of a healing for our nation. Living into wholeness, Dr. Reverend Dr. Katie Cannon says, it takes courage and steadfastness. It is a process. So I ask us today, individually and collectively, as a people of faith, as ones who sometimes live on the margins of society, are we willing to claim our healing? Are we willing to reject the mental lies that we have been taught to believe about ourselves and others and do the difficult work of examining our own lives and claiming our healing? Are we willing to garner the courage to ask others into authentic relationship so that we can release our prejudgments and assumptions 
about those we don't know. Claim our healing. Are we willing to explore and heal the emotional damage that we have perpetrated on others and others have perpetrated on us? Are we willing to step into our wholeness? I ask you to claim your healing. Are you willing to have the audacity to seek God for yourself and discard the rules, regulations, and restrictions that you've been trained to believe are necessary to have a relationship with God and God's creation. Claim your healing. Are you willing to take the long view and begin journeying the path of wholeness and becoming healers as you are being healed? Claim your healing. If your answer is yes, know today that Jesus says, I am willing to journey with you into your wholeness. People of resurrection, my prayer for us is simply this, that we all have the audacity to claim what is ours, a healing. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.